0: May these words of my mouth and this meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Where are you? This call by God to Adam and Eve in the Genesis reading is haunting. Where are you? I love this image of God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. It's poetic, it's deeply personal, and it excites our sensory imagination. You can hear the tread of God's footsteps on the ground. That's not usually how we think of God. You can feel the breeze at that perfect time of night you can see God moving aside the plants as God looks around and calls to the created children. Where are you? This passage does not suggest that suddenly God is not all the things, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, but rather it suggests that God gives us space to answer for ourselves, even when God already knows. God's follow-up question to them about their nakedness and shame further bears this out. Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? It's a bit like the mother who asks her child, whose face is smeared in brown goo, did you eat chocolate? Not because the mother doesn't know exactly what the child has done, but because it allows the child an opportunity to tell the truth, to name their own situation. And Adam and Eve respond much the way many chocolate-covered children might, with deflection and blame. Adam blames God for giving him Eve, and Eve for giving him the fruit. Eve blames the serpent. My friends, I feel it's important to point out that this text is often used in harmful ways to suggest the inherent guile and therefore necessary subjugation and oppression of women. Eve the temptress, Eve the ruin of man. Every now and then I stray to more fundamental commentary just to see what they're saying. It's a little bit like a liberal flipping over to Fox News or a conservative clicking over to MSNBC just to see what they're up to. In the commentary on this passage, Genesis 3, often called Paradise Lost, is just as bad as I had imagined. And I quote, If only Adam had ruled over Eve as God intended and controlled her behavior as God's design... She would not have brought him down. Thanks be to God for the Episcopal Church. (laughs) At worst, this is the kind of bad theology that leads to telling women they need to stay with abusive husbands. We've seen a lot of that in the news lately with a minister from another denomination. He's counseled women for decades to stay in toxic and dangerous relationships. That's at worst. And at best, it oversimplifies a complex tale. My friends, I feel so strongly about this. Scripture should never be used as a weapon. So if we reject this as a story of simple dualism, good versus evil, blame versus personal accountability, temptation versus self-control, disobedience versus obedience, then what could it be about? What more subtle and compelling reading can we give this familiar text? What might it have to say to us today about the intricacies of our existence with each other and with God? It seems to me it has to start with God's question, where are you? I've been consumed with the interplay of several news stories this past week. And I'm guessing many of you have, too. In the span of just three days this past week, the fashion designer Kate Spade tragically took her own life. The next day, the CDC published a long-awaited and alarming report on the rise of suicide in the United States, calling it a national health crisis. That same day, a dear friend contacted me in disbelief about a beloved cousin who had completed suicide. And the very next day, the chef, author, and TV personality, Anthony Bourdain, joined these ranks. All unbelievably tragic. The messages around this rising trend are just as mixed as some of the messages from our Old Testament reading. Because we do love our extremes, don't we? On one hand, we hear there is nothing that can be done. On the other hand, we hear that suicide is 100% preventable. I don't think either of those are true. We hear it is a mental health issue, but yet this report declared that at least half of those Dying by suicide have no mental health diagnosis. Ideations and completed suicide can engender stigma and shame, heartbreak, and blame. How could I have missed the signs? What could I have done differently are questions often asked by those left behind. And the self-recrimination can just as quickly shift to wondering how our beloved could have left us. Experts assert that this is one of the most complicated griefs of all, as it is both grief and trauma. For those who have lost someone, and for those who struggle With that dark place of existential crisis. Where are you? This is God's invitation to speak up and tell your truth. Where are you? This is God's invitation to step out from hiding among the trees. Where are you? This is God's invitation to expose your nakedness of emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain. Your nakedness. Where are you? In this simple question, is the invitation to be vulnerable, to name your situation, to feel naked and say where you are. Shame and blame can be some of the most destructive of human forces. They keep us hidden and unable to name our truth, unable to ask for help. What if we as a community asked, as God does, where are you, and we listened really listened to the answer? What if we as a community created a space where an asking, where are you, is normative and safe? Well, my friends, we at St. John's are asking. And Richard and Broderick and innumerable folks sitting in the pews, these very pews, We'll always listen. Where are you?